Yeah, so when you, you, when you've ticked off that you went to yoga or you had coffee with a friend or whatever, that's like that was the investment into me. That wasn't mm. just me achieving the tasks of the day. That was the investment into my mental health or my physical health or my emotional health or my spiritual health, which is what I value at the end of the day. So if we're not acknowledging those things, then they're actually, we're actually not giving them the full credit that they deserve. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well-equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hello, balancers, and a warm welcome to episode 68 of The Balance Theory podcast. I just want to say a big welcome. I know a lot of you are very new to the podcast. I can see the downloads are increasing. So welcome to those of you who are new and recent to the Balance Theory community. I'm so excited you're here joining our mission and here to learn and grow all together. And welcome back to everybody else who's been hanging out with us for a very long time. I guess I just wanted to take the opportunity to remind anyone who may not already be connected with us on socials to jump on over to our Instagram, The Balance Theory is our handle, and you can just connect with us there. We try and post a lot of fun content to promote the episode so you can see in advance if it's one you're particularly gonna like. And I also, every week on a Monday in the afternoon, I will post a poll that basically gives you a really good idea of what the episode's about. So that gives you the opportunity to share it with friends or family that you feel like would really enjoy the content too. I always say knowledge is better shared. So jump on over on Instagram and connect with us there. We've also also got our website where you can subscribe just to know about any new courses that are coming out any news I have to share with you all that will be the first place where you'll be notified so I've popped links to both of those in the show notes just to make your life a little bit easier and just before I introduce our guest episode of today I did want to also say a huge congratulations to everybody who has already enrolled and completed the goal setting workshop And for those of you who have not heard about it, I did do a short five minute episode just explaining this, which I'll also put a link to in the show notes. But essentially, if you are sitting here listening to this episode, it's almost the end of January. Well, it's literally the last day of January if you are listening to this on time. But a lot of you would have set goals at the beginning of January and potentially not yet taken much action towards them. Now, we talk about doing the 1% every day, having a clear path and, and I guess knowing where you're going who you need to grow into to achieve that goal. But often we are so inundated by overwhelm, self-doubt and fear of actually starting the progress that we end up doing nothing. And I've been here so many times before and it's very crippling and you actually end up just standing in your own way and you feel really helpless and you tell yourself it'll be next Monday or the first of the next month or the start of next year and things just get pushed out. So I know a lot of you have said and expressed that 2022 is going to be your year. I feel like everyone's sort of been let off a leash and we're all free to roam and explore and grow. And so if you really want to get wrapped up in this momentum and energy, but you feel like you have lost that motivation a little bit since you set your goals or you're struggling to kind of set and stick to them, then this is absolutely for you. I'll pop a link to the course as well as that short episode I just mentioned in the show notes. You can get all the information there and I keep you all updated on socials as well. So check that out if that sounds like something you really need or you're interested in or feel free to send it to anybody if you feel like they would also greatly benefit from a little bit of structure and clarity towards their goals this year. Now, I'm really excited to introduce Shana Kennedy to the podcast today. I have heard Shana on many other podcasts. And 
I just absolutely love her work. I love her message. And I think she is an encyclopedia for life knowledge. Basically, we talk about so many incredible things today, but firstly, a little bit about Shana. So she is a high performance master planner and one of Australia's foremost strategic life coaches. She's had over 20 years experience in the role and specializes in transition, values, vision, overcoming burnout and life planning. What I really love about Shana is that she came from a corporate background and then started to specialize in transitioning athletes into retirement which is such an incredible niche, but that particular role has so much to show for the rest of us who may have careers for a longer period in our lives, but really begs the question of what is our life plan? So this surrounds a concept that you are not your job. It's what you do, but it's not who you are. And in and amongst that, we chat about the cost of burnout, how to draw a line between something you're super passionate about and your life. Because often we can get the two really mixed up. We can say, I could just spend all weekend working on this thing. But are you still doing the things that are necessary for you to live your life, for you to actually maintain your balance? Shana shares her experience with chronic fatigue. And we also go deep into how to flip that guilt. So, you know, when you're not being as productive and you feel like you need to rest, but you feel super productive, I'm talking to all you A-type perfectionist people. If you're anything like me, that guilt will definitely be there. So she gives us some nice tips on how to flip that. We talk about how to actually be a high performer. There's a requirement to, to actually value rest and recovery. So we talk about high performance for sustainability. We chat about tweaking and not changing ourselves, unlearning habits, how to be more present, the four stages of change. She gives a few tips for anybody who's a fellow list writer like myself. And lastly, how to deal with disappointment and setting expectations. So honestly, so much in today's episode. I know you're going to get so much out of it. Definitely after this episode or right now, go and link up with Shanna. I've popped her Instagram in the show notes below and also her website. So you know where to find more of her incredible resources. That is it from me, guys. If you love today's chat, pop it on your story, tag myself and Shana or send us a DM. Let us know what your favorite parts are. And I hope to see more of you in the goal setting workshop this week. Sending you all love and enjoy the chat. Alrighty, Balancers. Today I'm joined by the wonderful Shanna Kennedy. A very warm welcome to the Balance Theory podcast. I know we had a couple tech uh, issues. We had a little bit of a tech tutorial getting on today, but we made it. So a very warm welcome. I know. Thank you for all your help. <laughs> Sometimes these things happen, right? But I think what COVID's really taught us along the way is the importance of just going with the flow and flowing through some of these technical difficulties we've all experienced over the last few years. Absolutely. And this is an absolute testament to that. So we made it. We're here and we're going to make the most of the conversation today. I know our listeners are going to love everything we're chatting about today, but just to sort of warm them up and give them a little bit of a feel for who you are. Could you just share a little bit about uh, the work you do? Yeah, look, I've been a life coach for 20 years. So probably one of the first in Melbourne who really pioneered coaching and, and was qualified around one of the first batches really qualified um, a long time ago. And my my dream was to coach athletes into retirement because nobody had a retirement plan. And I was working in corporate sport where, you know, you went from hero to zero overnight really quickly and nobody really cared about them. It was like, who's the next star? And so I had about 200 athletes that I knew and I really wanted to build them a life plan that would run alongside their sporting career so that they wouldn't have that huge drop at the end. So hence I wrote the life plan, the book, and for the last 20 years I've been coaching athletes, celebrities, business athletes, I call them athletes of life, which are just everybody 
um, and really helping them to realize that you are not your job. That's what you do, but not who you are. And we really need to build ourselves as a whole human being every single year and keep tweaking it along the way um, so we can experience fulfillment and not just become achievement junkies. Yeah, I love that. And we're definitely going to go into the life plan, get you to explain that a little bit more too. Just a couple of things I want to ask you from there. So you said you were in corporate and I actually came across your work through hearing you on another podcast um, and I found it really, really interesting. You actually had quite a quite a cool job. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what, the, what you were actually doing in corporate? Yeah, so it was a corporate sports sponsorship job. So my job was, you know, to go and buy athletes, and make them wear the sunglasses of the brand that I was working for. So it was a real Jerry Maguire sponsorship <laughs> type of role. So super exciting, going in helicopters to sporting events, you know, traveling to Olympic Games, getting my, you know, A ticket into the box and <laughs> celebrating with them afterwards and going to Hawaii Ironman and watching my athletes, my stable of all the people that I sponsored um, competing. So I got to really see firsthand, you know, working with their coaches, meeting their whole family, and their dog and their auntie and whatever it took um, I really saw firsthand high performance real high performance and what it takes and and the cost of burnout and the cost of not having a little bit of, of balance along the way so it yeah. was an incredible job and a lot of people said I was a complete fool to leave it they're like why would you leave such an exciting job but I was, I was burnt out myself and that was the mm. problem um, because I did marry my job. My job did become who I was because it was so intoxicating and exciting and fast and successful and partying and it was a rock star lifestyle, but it completely shot my body to pieces. Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to ask you a little bit about your chronic fatigue syndrome in just a moment. Um, you did mention at that at that moment in time, you were married to your job, you were defined by your job. And I think a lot of the listeners um, out there today, listening, tuning into this episode, will probably resonate with that. How did you kind of come to the moment? Well, what was the moment you realized like, that's not the way it should be. And how did you actually separate? Because often, especially if you're, for example, doing work, that's a passion. How do you then, you know, detach that from work and life? Well, when we're passionate about something, we sort of have our blinkers on, don't we? And we balance goes out the window because we're like, I'm really fixated. I'm really happy. I'm getting in a lot of energy from this. I'm really inspired by this. But it took my health, so I actually didn't even have very much of a choice. I could recover and come back or I could recover and try something different. And I, before that, had done stockbroking. So I was this A-type overachieving, um, perfectionist, junkie style, work to you drop mentality. <laughs> and it was the real wake-up call for me that, this is, this is not longevity in your career. This is not sustainable. This is not looking after yourself. This is actually not even giving you that much joy because you're exhausted all the time. So yeah. when it, I got to the stage where I couldn't get out of bed for a very long time, like a, a good year in bed, wow. um, and you can't function and you can't see your friends and you can't even drive your car and you can't do anything because um, everything hurts so much, you know, it's a pretty big wake-up call to say, is there a healthier way of being a high performer? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm very keen to get all your tips on that because I think um, I definitely resonate with that, the A-type perfectionist kind of work to you drop type mentality. And 
It is, it, I do find it quite difficult because the things I do, I'm very passionate about and, you know, it's, it's stuff you could do all day long and it just doesn't feel like work. But I do think drawing that fine line between what is your area of, so in the balance theory, just to give yourself and I guess everyone listening a quick recap, our balance theory is the concept that you've got your health, your relationships and your area of fulfillment. Now the third one, fulfillment does encompass work, but it's also hobbies and the like. But I think when you look at that formula or that breakdown, it goes to show that, yes, you can you know be so passionate about work and put all your eggs in that basket, but you've still got your health and your relationships that you need to sustain and fulfill to some degree. And that's how we sort of get balance. You know, the degree to which you're in each of those areas is up to you, but you do need to have your foot in each of those areas. So talk to me a little bit about your experience with chronic fatigue syndrome. I know you said you were, you know, you experienced that for well and truly about a year, which is massive, but what was sort of the road down to that and how did you sort of get out of that? So it's something that I still have today, which is, you know, 20 years later. So once you've really broken the system, you know, it's like an engine with a big crack in it now. Mm. So every time I do push too hard, the crack reappears and I get all the warning signs back and I get the signs to slow down and pull back a little bit. So I actually see it now as the gift because I'm so mindful of how I feel and my body Mm. and embracing the pace now that I will never let myself burn out like that ever again. But to go back to your question is, you know, when you get the headache and you just push through anyway, or you have to go to that that function, we want to go to that function, but your body's saying, no, I'm exhausted. And you go, well, it doesn't matter. Just go anyway. And you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And you just have this awful brain that keeps saying, don't be lazy. Don't be soft. Just you know, keep pushing through. And, and that's what I did. And I pushed really hard and I burnt the candle at every end. And I had no, I had no self-care strategy. I didn't know about breathing. This is, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't talk about breathing. Wellness was never mentioned. Meditation was for hippies and woo-woo. Like you actually, there was nothing about self-care in the business world at all it was go hard or go home so Mm. when you've grown up with that mentality whereas now you would never ever operate that way and thank goodness the world has changed because everyone did get burnt out but in my time it was really soft like if you didn't go really hard and you did look after yourself so it was a bit of a you know sign of the times, I think, and what was expected of you. But also, I didn't even have the tools or the skill, or or the education around health yep. um, and well-being at all. So that was a year in bed. It was another three or four years of recovery where I had to really slowly integrate myself back in. Where you know I could go out for a coffee, and that was enough. Like I could walk around the block, and that was enough. And was a really slow build with naturopaths and acupuncture and massage because my body was just so sore to even touch Um, so the ride out of it was long and slow and it still needs to be addressed today I still take a lot of supplements um, to keep this machine going and I really look after myself Um, but I do work extremely hard still and I have a family and I have teenagers and a marriage and I exercise every day and I'm incredibly fit and incredibly healthy but it takes you know the discipline of pacing myself now I'm never allowed to to really flog the horse like I did before 
Yeah. And as an A-type personality, I can imagine how uncomfortable that would have been in the moment. But, you know, like you said, it gets to a point where it comes at the expense of your health and it's just absolutely not worth it. So I suppose you're... It's still still difficult now, you know, like I think once you're that personality type and for all the people that listen here that love achieving, it is... It is so in you, it is so in your blood that, you know, you always have to challenge yourself to pace yourself and to remind yourself, do you really want to burn out? Is that really what you want? Because you'll perform so much better if you could just pace yourself and and recover along the way. Yeah. So on that note, do you still feel that guilt that that comes up where you feel like, oh, I'm kind of bludging today, even though you've probably already ticked four or five things off your list, you know, you just feel like you haven't done enough. Do you still get that guilt? And if so, how do you sort of deal with that? Because I know that's something I personally struggle with as well. Yeah, I absolutely get the guilt. Um, I don't think it ever goes away. However, (laughs) I am very quick now. So I'll let it last about 30 seconds. And then I flip it and say, but high performers value rest and recovery so that they can continue to be a high performer. So if you keep pushing today and you don't give yourself permission to rest or to recover from a big trip or doing four talks or eight clients today or whatever it might be, if you don't give yourself permission to rest, you will not perform tomorrow. So I've really worked in my mindset. The high performance for sustainability means that we need to value rest and recovery just as much, if not more, than all of the output that we do. And that is the secret to high performance with athletes. The ones that do the proper recovery work always keep performing well and keep showing up doing PBs. Yeah, no, I can definitely see the correlation there between just high performers in general and athletes um, because the maintenance piece is so key to, to, to make it sustainable, just like you said. You yeah, know, and, and they break down and we see them break down. That's actually what we're doing to ourselves, And it could be a mental breakdown. It might not be physical. It mm. could be just pushing yourself so hard that you become overwhelmed. You get develop anxiety. You stop sleeping. And it, the whole thing can be a mental game. It doesn't actually need to be that physical, like an elite athlete, but it can mm. be that mental pressure that we're putting on ourselves. Yeah. This conversation that we're having reminds me of something I read the other day. It was called, um, there was a difference between types of procrastination and there's passive procrastination, which is that, you know, when you're just putting something off on purpose and you're just being lazy. And then there's the other type, which is active procrastination, which they were talking about a lot of high performers actually do this, which is where they delay a task because they know they'll, you know, they need a bit of rest first, or they'll be able to better achieve it at a later stage. So I quite like this concept and I think it um, links nicely to what we're talking about. It's having that moment of pause and going is my time right now better used resting and recovering so I can then you know hit that level at a later stage or I'm going to push through the headache now you know and give it 50% effort so I think it's a good thing for everyone to kind of think about because I don't think you and I alone in the perfectionist a type pool I think there's a lot of us out there but I think that guilt is something I personally struggle with so thank you for sharing your thoughts on that yeah my pleasure and you know we're human beings and when we've we've had these thoughts going around for 20 years in our brain or you're all really young so not that old but you know when you've been programmed (laughs) you know when you've been programmed a certain way we can't undo that neural pathway in the brain Mm. so what we need to do is know that it exists know that it will 
keep popping up and, and it will never go away, but we can be much quicker at reacting to it and we can be much quicker at reframing and quickly giving ourselves that talk that will help us um, get the results that we really want to achieve. Yeah, I love reframing. That's perfect. So you went from obviously your chronic fatigue, you had a year a year or you know, more to kind of get yourself back to a stage where you could manage it and I guess be very aware of the triggers and when it was coming back on. From that point, did you was that when you left your career and sort of started your new life coaching plan? Yeah, so I sort of went back part time into that job and really decided this is not this is like going into the heroin den for me. Like <laughs> it's too exciting and there's Triggering. too much going on and there's too much opportunity and my body's not going to be able to do it nor my mind anymore. And I was only like thirty years old, um, so that's interesting, isn't it? I'd already burnt out by then. So um, I actually had a life coach help me get through chronic fatigue because I knew I didn't need a counselor or a psychologist. But I just wanted someone to just encourage me um, yeah. and teach me some new ways of thinking about myself. Um, and it was just such an amazing experience because she really rebuilt me to be a healthier version of myself in the mind to say, you know, just because you're um, resting a little bit or having a massage doesn't mean you're soft. I had to really reframe everything. Yeah. And she was fantastic. So I did study coaching. Um, and then decided there was a gap in the market, really. So there was no Instagram, there was no Facebook, there was nothing. This was just purely starting from my own um, network of people and coaching them into developing a plan for themselves to be a healthier version of themselves, exactly what I'd been through. Mm. And, um, and the business just really built from there into becoming, awesome. you know, coaching senior executives and CEOs and celebrities and, and Olympians. Awesome. And so, so no doubt then your book life plan was premise of all the work you had done and built over the years. Could you give us just like a high level, um, I guess, summary of the life plan? Yeah. So the life plan is like, who are you without your job? Right. That's where Love it starts. It. Like, what a good oh question. God, that's so scary. <laughs> Usually people turn white when I ask them that question. <laughs> so the life plan is like, well, let's develop, develop your life plan like you would a financial plan, like you would a plan for your fitness or your health, um, or like you would your career. Let's just do one for your life. Like, who do you want to be? How do you want to show up? What are your values? So most people, you know, we never get taught at school what are our values and how important they are. And when you know your top three values and you use them as the base plate, and you make decisions from them, you act in accordance with them, you understand that that's, that's who you are. So for me, it's health, mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual. It is family happiness. It's how do I show up as a human? You know, am I fun? Am I warm? Am I energetic? Um, and then achievement. So my achievement today is not, did we sell 10,000 books? The achievement today is, did I do the breathing? Did I move my body? Did I do my headstand? Did I have my two liters of water? They are the achievements that will give me longevity in my career, not selling 10,000 books. Mm. I can do that. I can, I can set goals and go and smash them because I'm driven. But it's so hard for me to wash my hands slowly and take three breaths. <laughs> it's hard for me to sit down and, and do my journal. It's really hard for me to sit and do the breathing. But if I value that as an achievement, my life is going to elevate exponentially and that's what's happened. So the life plan is about 
let's build you from your own set of values and let's look at, you know, how to get rid of the clutter, how to create a structure to support yourself. And then ultimately, when you're succeeding, how do you stay there? Um, yeah. And then where do you see yourself in the future? So your 10-year-old self, your 20-year-old self, that's the role model that you want to be chasing the whole time. You know, Matthew McConaughey had this amazing Oscar speech, which you should Google and all your listeners should Google, um, when he won the Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club. And he says, my role model is my 10-year-older self that I'll never catch because he's always better. In 10 years' time, it'll be the 10-year-older one again and he'll be better and fitter and more aware and healthier and we keep tweaking every year who we are so the life plan is about doing a 20-year plan for yourself about thinking about your 10-year-older self and your 20-year-older self and where you would want to be financially where you would love to be with your mental health where you would love to be with relationships where you would love to be with your career and your hobbies and all of those wonderful things that you talk about is let's make sure we have a vision for them and then we can create a plan yeah, I love this so much. It's all, You're right, it is almost a gap in the way a lot of things are spoken about, although I, I do think society has come a long way when it comes to mindfulness and prioritizing health and, you know, balancing life with personal commitments and whatnot. I do think um, that's definitely come a long way. But in terms of having a plan for our personal life, often like even when you were just before you sort of started explaining it in my head, I hadn't segregated that from, you know, relationships and, and work. So I think it's a very, very important question question to ask um firstly because it, it reminds us that we are not supposed to be perfect right now you know we're always a work in progress and that's sort of something i always try and remind myself when i do get that disappointment or guilt that i'm not doing enough i try and take a step back and go i'm a work in progress so i think by even just working or considering or contemplating something like a life plan it really just grounds you in reminding you that you know you're growing and you're changing and in 10, like you said, in 10 years, you're going to be bigger and better version and so, so on and so forth. Um, but the other thing I just wanted to comment on that you said, which I really quite liked, and it's also maybe like a little bit of a reframe strategy is if you do know your values. Uh, so, for example, you said achievement was on your values, which I love because often people may look at that as quite a negative one. Maybe they think it has a bit of a negative connotation on it, you know, to achieve. But I think if you know your work ethic and your, you know, your personality, and you can acknowledge that as, as something that you value honestly and openly, then you can kind of reframe and, and pop your habits or new things that you want to start in and amongst that. So it fits with what you actually value. So for example, like you said, if you wanted to meditate, I'm just, um, you know, picking something out of thin air. If you really wanted to meditate and you know that you are a doer, you like achieving things, then just reframing doing your meditation every day is an achievement is such an easy way to, I suppose, stick to your habits. So that's something I really, really like that. Um, yeah. You just shared. Absolutely. And I, I love your work in progress because all we need to do is, is tweak ourselves every mm. year. So you could just tweak a little bit in your diet or tweak a little bit in your fitness or the way that you work or your relationships or the, the way that we parent or the way that we love our partner, just if we're constantly trying to just up it like 10%, just a little tiny 1% as every day, you know, yeah. we have a massive change and a massive growth. When we try and overhaul the diet and overhaul the relationships and, and do all of these big changes, we always end up in a mess. So for me, the way that I coach people is let's keep fine tuning ourselves. 
and we don't mean to be perfect perfect's boring so let's 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 see it as the whole thing is an adventure to our 10 year older self and the adventure every year is oh what could I focus on this year you know if I learn the art of breathing and mindfulness for the next 10 years and I become a master at it imagine the ripple effect and impact that's going to have on my life than if it's not even present in my life and I'm an achievement junkie just working Hmm. So if achievement is, and you're a driven A-type person, we, we need to honour that, but we need to make it and reframe it as a healthy, as a healthy strength hmm. rather than just, okay, well, let's do more work, more work, more work. Well, how do we do our work better is we need to uh, make sure we've done the recovery. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you just said there about tweaking because that's something I talk about a lot. It's the 1% every day. And it also reminds you, like, I, I hate when I hear things like, oh, you, like, you know, just change this, just change yourself to, to achieve this or, you know, the new year, new me rhetoric. Um, I, I, I really don't like that because you never need to completely throw yourself out the door. It's just about tweaking parts of yourself so you can incrementally grow and just like you said if you you know completely snap your body into a new diet or health regime it's going to panic because it's overload and that's when you you know in and out of shock things you know it's just not long-term sustainable so yeah I'm really loving this conversation about tweaking and small steps and and like you just said I think um, back to the achievement thing sorry to jump back there but you just reminded me it's almost like work out what your motivators are because you can probably work out what you value from there so if you value ticking off things on your in your diary which is so me you know achieving things and you know, that's something you can say that motivates me. I can then oh, well, use that. If, you to... know, if I, I am not a happy person, if I'm not ticking things off, it's it's just, I just can't function. I'm not happy. Even on the weekend, I have a list on the bench and I me tick too. it off. Or, you know, but I have to include on the list some wholehearted recovery. So did you go to yoga? Tick. You know, did you yeah. um, spend... 20 minutes just lying down breathing or going to the beach and putting your feet in the sand. They can't just be all doing actions like, yep, the supermarket and vacuum the car and wash this yeah. and change the beds. And, you know, it just can't be all of that because we're just burnt out. So just including it to be a bit more of a balanced list that we're achieving, we're just going to feel 10 times better. No, that's actually a really good point because if I'm being honest, my list is all doing things because I, I do the other stuff as part of my habits. But then when it comes to the end of the day, I'm like, oh, you know, I only did two of the three things on my list, not acknowledging the other things that are just part of my normal routine have actually been done. So that's actually a really nice reminder to balance out our actual lists as well so that that sense of achievement then gets tied to all the other positive things that are so beneficial for our health. So good tip. Love that one. Yeah, so when you, you when you've ticked off that you went to yoga or you had coffee with a friend or whatever, that's like that was the investment into me. That wasn't mm. just me achieving the tasks of the day. That was the investment into my mental health or my physical health or my emotional health or my spiritual health, which is what I value at the end of the day. So if we're not acknowledging those things then they're actually we're actually not giving them them the full credit that they deserve. Yeah, absolutely. You've given me good food for thought there and I'll be uh, tweaking my list for tomorrow, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, so kind of um on this subject, I suppose, and and as we um you know, as we grow and as we change and as we tweak, there's going to be habits along the way that we need to unlearn 
as well. And I know you spoke a little bit about neuroscience there and how, you know, once you've got that neurological pattern, it's very, very hard to break it if ever. Or, although over time, I think if you're really adamant and strong at something, you probably might be able to rewrite that pathway, but they are very, very hardwired. So what are your tips on unlearning habits? So let's say, for example, somebody listening has identified a value of theirs and it potentially conflicts with a habit they have that they're trying to shake. What are your sort of tips for unlearning habits or how do we know when we need to unlearn them? Well, we well, you know, when you look at your habit plan or your habit structure or you know, habits are 80% of our day, and we're noticing, oh, well, I'm having the third coffee just because that's what that's I do. And I think I need the third <laughs> coffee, but you're really trying to feel more energetic. You know that the third coffee is never going to do that. It's actually causing more and more damage or whatever it might be down the track. So this is about saying, okay, what are my habits for my physical health, the way that I move, the way that I eat, the way that I sleep and the way that I breathe, the four traits. Okay, what tweaking can I just do with my habit plan? So I notice that I take my phone to bed. I know, and I've heard enough people say that this is one of the worst things that I can do. Okay, well, am I prepared to change the habit for the benefit? So I would never sleep with a phone in my bedroom ever. It's always in the ensuite and the bedroom is just, there is no scrolling. There is no Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, whatever. There is nothing like that in my bed. So bed is for sleeping. It's for reading. It's for, you know, rest. and, And that's what's important. It is not to put more images in my brain and to work against my mental health. So that one change, that one habit um, is about thinking about is what I'm doing actually making me feel good. Mm. So you've got your physical health, eat, move, sleep, breathe. Oh, I don't breathe. Okay, well, every time I wash my hands, I could take three deep breaths and reset my nervous system. Mm -hmm. So I've noticed I've been holding my breath for two weeks. (laughs) I actually haven't taken a breath. So for me, Um, Every time I wash my hands, I wash my hands really, really slowly. I take three deep, long grounding breaths. So that means I'm having at least 18 breaths because six times you probably go to the bathroom a day. That's 18 conscious breaths a day that are resetting my nervous system to say everything's okay. There's no danger. You don't need any more cortisol in your body. You, you can just rest a little bit. You just calm the farm a little bit. So imagine if you did that for 20 years. Yeah, and that's a good tip actually. Just the habit stack it on something you, you know you do every day, whether it's fill up your water, like you said, wash your hands, whether it's, um, I don't know, shut your inbox, whatever it is, like pick something you consciously do and then you can just start stacking it on. And then for me, I habit stack a whole lot more on top of that because I'm so aware of my habits. I'll be washing my hands. I'll take three deep breaths. Oh, just calm everything down. And then I'll look in the mirror and I'll high five myself and do a bit of Mel Robbins. Mel Robbins, love it. (laughs) You know, you've done a great job and you did your breathing and you're a rock star. Um, And then I'll have a glass of water. So I hydrate. So I don't leave the bathroom until I've had another glass of water. And then I open the door to new opportunity. That's a great little ritual. Six times a day, I open that door to say, I'm ready, world, because I've just calmed everything down. I'm ready for the next opportunity, the next interview, the next client, the next chore that I have to do around the house. But six times a day, 
it's like life is a marathon and I just stopped at all the Gatorade stations and just had a drink. So at the end of the day, I'm not a fetal position in the corner mess on the floor. I'm functioning. I'm happy. I can enjoy my evening because I took those breaths. If I've been holding my breath all day and then I'm taking my phone to bed and I haven't had much water during the day, I am not going to function to where I want to function. So as you said, it is about thinking about the habits that you have and do they serve your values? And if you just start with mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual health and looking at the habits that support them, mental health is our training of the brain and is the computer program in there and what you're telling yourself. Emotional health is, you know, we give out all the time. You're actually even open to receiving and telling yourself that and being open to friends helping or putting your hand up and saying, I need some help. Um, and spiritual health is about belonging. And, you know, are you just such a workaholic that you don't belong to anything or feel like you belong to anything um, and how important that is for us. So even if people just started with that um, and just made some fine little changes, um, your whole world changes pretty quickly. Yeah. And the thing I love about that too is I think it's so easy to be on autopilot and just, you know, get to Friday and be like, weren't we just here like a minute ago? Like you just don't even know where the week went. So if you imagine you're stopping, let's say average six times a day to just be conscious and be present with yourself, I think, you know, you'll enjoy the process of life, which is all we really have. You don't have what's what the moment that's coming in 10 years or the moment that's coming in five years, you've only got now. And, and that just really helps you appreciate every single day for what it is. And as well, there's so many variables in our day. I know that you know, especially if you're running your own business or something, just the most random things can pop up and just throw you off your horse completely. And that's just an opportunity to reset. That's kind of how I'm interpreting it, which I think is so beautiful because our emotions, you know, depending on time of the month, depending on what's going on at work, like can just be so unpredictable. It's just a regular opportunity to reset. And like you said, tell the nervous system, it's all good. Um, yeah, but yeah it's sometimes, absolute- you know, you might be washing your hands and doing your breathing and just going, oh, I just I just feel crappy today. Like, I, I, I just didn't perform that well in that last interview or whatever it might be. And you look in the mirror and go, that's okay. You know, we never get today back again. We never, ever get it back. We get one chance at today. So if we're not just actually stopping six times a day and going, what is today about? oh, that was good. That was not so good. But we're not even acknowledging it. We're just like rushing through it. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, you you don't get it back. The whole thing is a blur. The whole thing is one stressful giant mess. And we have overwhelm and anxiety and depression and it's all imploding and it's all too much because no one's breathing. So we just need to make it a part of our day. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. And it's just about bringing that awareness, right, to how things are making you feel. So I love all of that. And I think one of the things that probably um, poses the biggest threat, I suppose, to us being grounded and, and us just being present and checking in with ourselves often can be change. And I know this is something you um, speak about a lot. So can you talk to me a little bit about the four stages of four stages of change, because I find it quite interesting, firstly, that there's a cycle of change. It's something I've looked into before, but I think if anyone listening hasn't heard about it, we'll find it really, really interesting um, because you could probably think of a time where you've had big change, see yourself go through it, 
Um, and, and in saying that and having this awareness when you know change is coming, I think it just equips you so much better to deal with it and embrace embrace it because it is a bumpy road from time to time. Um, but I'll hand it over to you. Can you share a little bit about the four stages of change? Yeah. So change is something we're never taught at school, how to handle it, which is such a shame. Um, and I've been coaching change for 20 years because most people that come to me, you know, want to change something. So also all changes happen to them or they've been throwing the curveball or whatever it might be. And think of it like this, like there's a storm coming. And if you've never had a storm before, you sort of you don't even know what to do when you get knocked over. But if you knew what happens when a storm comes and you knew that you could shut the gates, you know, you batten down the hatches, you lock the doors, you close the blinds, you secure everything, and then you hold on and then you've got certain things that you do, um, we prepare for storm and we can handle storm. So when the first year of COVID came and the first week came and I lost most of my work because it was all speaking engagements, I sat there and I thought, oh, this is a big storm. This is, this is a big curveball that's come and hit me. And then I thought about, I've been coaching people through this for a long time. I'm going to put it into a book. And I'm going to simplify it into four stages that the brain goes through. Whenever we have change, it can be good change too. You've just had a baby. You've taken a job promotion where you're going to have a lot more responsibility. It doesn't necessarily have to mean relationship breakup or your business failed or you had a cancer scare or whatever it might, car accident or whatever it might be. But anytime we experience change, we need to respond. And what happens is people just respond too quickly. So the first part of response is take a breath. If you just fall off your bike, the first thing people do is say, just breathe, don't you? When you see someone fall over, the first thing we do is say, just take a breath, just calm yourself down before we try and get up again. Mm. nobody does that you know they fly off the handle they I hate that person and they react and can we just stop that and take a breath response. A fight and flight yeah exactly so I think the first thing we need to learn is just to stop and breathe then we need to acknowledge our emotions and our feelings oh that hurt oh you know I, I I'm afraid of my bike now or you know um I can't trust men anymore or um, you know, all of these feelings that come in, it could be even joy and excitement, whatever it might be comes in. If we don't acknowledge our feelings and we sweep them under the carpet, they'll just keep coming out until you recognize them. Years Absolutely. later, they just keep yeah. coming out from under the carpet. So one of the biggest things that we can tweak and learn is to sit still and feel the pain whether it be in our throat, you know, your throat closes, a stomach ache, whatever happens when you fall or get that storm come and hit you is we need to sit perfectly still and feel it and let it pass through. And then we can reframe. We can tell ourselves a story that's far more supportive hmm. than what we thought. You know, I fell off my bike. I hate bikes too. Oh, you know, I had I tripped and I, I fell off my bike and that's fine. I'm going to get up. I'm going to try again. And it's just part of the riding experience. Yeah. Whatever it is, you, you know, you, you reframe it. So we sort of talk about that quite a bit in the book. So and then you have your narrative that you tell people in the supermarket. So when they say, oh, you know, how are you after someone passed away or, you know, your marriage broke down? You've got a one sentence 
um, answer and then a, a reflect back onto them so that you don't have to talk about it. So it really prepares you for that initial shock. Yep. So that's stage one. And stage two is we need to recover. So you fell off the bike or whatever, your marriage broke down. We need to give ourselves healing time. So that's the whole self-care piece. You know, we need to just breathe. We need to do some meditations. We need to bathe in nature. We, we can't just jump on the next horse or jump on the next bike or go in the next business or go and quickly get a new boyfriend or whatever. Just do some proper recovery first. So that's the second stage. The third stage is reset yourself. So that's all about, okay, let's go back to our values. Let's create a fresh vision for you for the future. Let's set some really nice, simple, inspiring goals again. And then let's get yourself a new team. Like who's on your team? Who's your cheerleaders? Who are not the dream stealers and say, oh, that's going to happen again. But the new people with some fresh energy. So that's a really important section of the book on resetting. And then the last section of change is you have to allow yourself to be happy. So we can't compare we can't say, well, this marriage might not work because the last one didn't or this business or whatever. What if plan B, your next plan, is actually really exciting? It's just different. It's not going mm -hmm. to be the same. So we can allow ourselves to radiate, to be happy, to experience joy, to get creative. And maybe we could even become the light for other people who are about to experience the same kind of change. So mm. there's four beautiful stages that people can tap into. It's like having a little handbook for the rest of your life where you might say, I'm just going to bunk in on the reset bit. I just need to reset myself and radiate more. I don't need to do all the other bits or you might have the change. So I think it's a book for life where it's the roadmap. It's the roadmap of what happens in exactly the right order to human beings when we experience change. Yeah. And no one teaches it, which is a great shame, but it's full of the tools, the tips, the know-how. It's like we're on the road trip from Melbourne to Sydney and we have to do a detour. Mm -hmm. And this is the map for the detour to get back onto your life plan. Yeah. No, I love that. It's very, very powerful. And there's quite a few things you've said that have really resonated with me. Um, aside from thinking, you know, about change I've had in my life and having gone through that exact process, I think the first um, really important thing to acknowledge is that we actually cannot reframe until we process. And I think that's really, really important because if you have had something difficult happen and you're just trying to reframe, you know, you're trying to think positively, you're trying to move on and you're really struggling to do that could be a very good indication that maybe you haven't processed, maybe you're just not ready to reframe at, at, at such time. And I know exactly what you mean in terms of if those emotions are swept under the rug, I've seen it time and time again through myself, through people, very close people around me, they will get louder. They will, they will show up in other ways, you know, and they, they do, they, they can, they will come up. So sitting with them at the time is just invaluable and whatever that looks like to you, whether it's journaling, meditating, talking out loud, seeing a therapist, whatever that is, it's just let that emotion talk. Yeah. Another thing you said, which I think is brilliant, I don't think I've heard it before, is to have that 
um, preparation response because I think a lot of the time people don't like talking about what they went through or they find that's actually almost sometimes even harder than having gone through it so just having that preparation one-liner to explain what's happened if you've got a big scratch on your leg or you know and you just don't want to talk about it because it's sensitive or you know everybody knows they've just gone through this breakup whatever the case is I think having that prepared just saves you from so much turmoil and awkward conversation so I think that's actually a really 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 good one too I know. Why, why aren't we taught that at school? Oh, God. I mean, we could save ourselves so much heartache and pain yeah. if we were just taught this really important stuff at school. And, and I think people have so much fear about sitting in the pain. But yeah. what happens is when we sit still, it goes away. Mm. It goes, oh, well, you're acknowledging me. Now what? Now it's almost ironic. <laughs> and if we sweep it under the carpet, it's just going to keep coming and hitting you on the head until you sit in it and you say, okay, well, that, that hurt. That really hurt. That's giving me a stomach ulcer. That really hurt. And then all of a sudden, it's got nowhere else to go but to leave you. Mm. So Have it's you a seen... really important part. Yeah. Have you seen the movie Inside Out? Yes. Yeah, that's what I always think of when I try to personify my emotions. I find it it helps me connect to them in a different way. And, and just like you said, if you imagine, you know, you've got this sadness emoji, right, sitting in your control center in your brain and it just wants to drive the wheel for five minutes and let out and say what it's got to say, say it's peace and then, you know, it's back to, to joy to take over, you know, then it has its airtime. I, I kind of feel like sometimes when I have really difficult moments, I just try and imagine, okay, great uh, guilt or stress or whatever it is just needs for it's five minutes and then it will pass and it is truly amazing because often those emotions will manifest in the body as a physical sensation the more you hone in on it provided you can you know bring yourself down to a nice breathing pace it, it does it dissipates which is something I think people aren't aware of and, until you've tried it because you almost think sitting in it will hurt more and it will just open up a can of worms you'd rather not deal with but it is true it is true that you need to sit with it to be able to reframe but you actually don't even need to deal with it it's like just it let it drive the wheel for five minutes and just yeah. sit in it and then it's going away so you actually don't even need to really deal with it it's gone yeah and you're free so yeah it is a fascinating one but sometimes people need a coach or um, a counselor to hold their hand while they're going through it and that's fine but just do it and and don't put it under the under the carpet Absolutely. Now, I think I've got time for one more question before I let you go. Um, and it's just off the back of something you just mentioned. So you said often um, people may fall into a bit of a trap with maybe comparing, let's just say their marriage to somebody else. And you have those expectations of how things should have turned out, what they should have been like, you know, I should have been married by this age, I should have had a baby by this age. And I think that plays a big role with people's disappointment as well and uncomfortable towards change so what would you say to people who do have those very rigid expectations and do experience that disappointment because I think that also hinges a lot on or hampers I guess our our relationship with our goals Mm. so Tony Robbins has this great quote which I took a long time ago up and said to myself for a long long time if I want to change my world I need to change expectation into appreciation. Beautiful. I'm going to turn expectation into appreciation. And all those expectations that I might have on my partner, on my kids, like why aren't my kids like those people's kids or why is my business like that person's business or why don't I look like that and blah, 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 blah. Maybe just focus on appreciating what you do have. 
and focusing on controlling the controllables, which is what you can control in your wheelhouse about yourself showing up in life, being the best version of your health. And every time we judge and compare and go into that whole comparisonitis, our whole energy drops, our vibration drops, our motivation drops, our inspirational drops. So there is nothing good comes of expectation like that. So allowing yourself to shine in your new plan, loving what it is, changing what's changeable, controlling what's controllable, and just focusing on keeping your eye on your own plate is the most important thing that I could teach people because when we stop all of that peripheral comparing and we just focus on keeping our eye on our own plate, we can have an incredible journey in our life. We can live in our own bubble and we can still be social and everything else, but we're not comparing. We're just actually focusing on how can I make today great for myself? I'm going to do my six um, stops of breathing and just focus on what did happen and what was good about it and what I could improve and just always feel in control. And then it's always a great day. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And that really just, I think it's a nice place to end our chat because it does bring in that arm of gratitude. And I think as well, when you are grateful, I think a byproduct of that is instead of looking at somebody else's business or marriage and having that, oh, why that, you know, that comparative feeling, you may also have an appreciation like, wow, they're just so amazing for what they've achieved in their business. Like they've inspired me or opened my mind to, you know, what a podcaster can do or what a business owner can potentially do from their garage, hypothetically speaking. So I think that gratitude will then just radiate. So I think that's such a beautiful place to end our chat. I know um, our listeners would have gotten so much out of today because I certainly did. And I will be racing to order a copy of your book because admittedly, I have not read it yet, but I have heard you on a few podcasts. So um, can't wait to read it. And for anybody listening who maybe wants to connect with you, follow your work or potentially even work with you, where's the best place they can reach out? Um, just go to shannakennedy.com um, to the website. There is a ton of free resources. There's free um, vision board kits, there um, are free screensavers, there's free vision board screensavers, there's free quotes to train your brain, um, to keep your eyes on your own plate. All of those things are downloadable and free on the site um, because I really wanted people to train the brain and yet the new book is out plan B and also my vision board kits are in Kmart, Target and Big W. If you want new colour, new inspiration, new words, and to create a vision for yourself that's personal and exciting with your favorite quotes up there, because that's how we remember, you know, the Tony Robbins quote was up on my vision board for such a long time. It's in, it's become who I am. So mm-hmm. if we can use these amazing tools, um, they're the tweaks. That's how we evolve. And that's how we make our life a little bit better every year. And we, we turn into a bigger, better version of ourselves. And the exciting part is we never get there. So it's, we're always chasing our older self. And so we've always got something to do. So if anyone ever says they're bored, well, we've got lots of great work to do. And it's exciting because we're always growing. So thank you for having me today. It's been a pleasure talking to you and sharing, you. you know, some of the tools and tips that have really worked for me in my life. I really appreciate your time. I know you're a busy woman. So thank you so much. And I can't wait to read your books and follow your journey to see your next 10 year self. (laughs) Yeah, you too. It's going to be a great reunion. (laughs) 
And that's a wrap for this week, Balancers. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found this episode useful to some degree in either steering or determining your definition of balance today. As always, the biggest compliment for us is if you share this episode with someone who you feel might need it, or if you're on Spotify, you can click follow or on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or review. If you have any suggestions for up and coming podcasts, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email. Our Instagram is at the balance theory and our email is the balance theory podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, you've always got the option of subscribing to our mailing list. We only send you email reminders when the episodes drop so you get them fresh out of the oven. No annoying spam, we promise. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and until next time, stay balanced. Stop, stop, stop.